Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Bob Kelleher is a best-selling author, international keynote speaker, and consultant who travels the globe sharing his insights on employee engagement, leadership, and workforce trends. Bob is the author of multiple books, including I Engage, Your Personal Engagement Roadmap, the best-selling book and my favorite, Louder Than Words, 10 Practical Employee Engagement Steps That Drive Results, Creative Ship, and Engagement and Leadership Fable, and The Employee Engagement for Dummies. Bob can be seen or heard on national media, mostly CNBC, CBS, NBC News, Business Week, and others, and is a frequent guest writer and contributing editor on many national publications. Bob is the founder of the Employee Engagement Group, a consulting firm that works with leadership teams to implement best-in-class leadership and employee engagement programs, workshops, and surveys, all focused on the world of employee engagement. Previously, Bob was the senior excuse me, the Chief Human Resource Officer at AECOM, a Fortune 500 global professional services firm with 45,000 employees located in 450 offices throughout the world. Before AECOM in 2005, Bob worked for Enser, a large global environmental consulting firm. While at Enser, Bob was Executive Vice President of Organizational Development and Chief Operating Officer and spearheaded Enser's award-winning employee engagement programs and initiatives. So now we know why he left to become the leader of employee engagement across the globe. Thank you for joining us today, Bob. Thank you, Ed. I am delighted to be here. Well, we are thrilled to have you join us. And I gave an overview of you and your background, but would love to hear a little bit more about currently what your organization is doing to connect in the marketplace. Yeah, uh, thanks, Ed. Uh, We work with companies large and small. um, you know, we often work with leadership teams uh, and help them um, kind of have a call to action. Uh, you know, I do a lot of talks at conferences uh, in leadership team offsites, and often the human resources director will bring me in uh, to say what they've been trying to say, uh, uh, but to help amplify the importance of uh, really uh, looking at their workforce. Uh, to help them unleash the potential of their organizations. And, you know, probably where I have some maybe added credibility compared to 
you know, a typical author or speaker is I was in the trenches, uh, just like yourself, Ed, you know, spent 30 years um, working with organizations, seeing what works, uh, as importantly, seeing what doesn't work. And we try to bring uh, those insights when we work with our uh, firms and organizations. Uh, um, so currently we do uh, workplace engagement surveys. We have workplace uh, assessments. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, we've accelerated some really cool online training modules um, because we happen to think that uh, one of the kind of leave behinds of the great pandemic will be uh, virtual training and, you know, the need to continue to leverage Zoom and Teams and other, you know, technology uh, tools um, to leverage one's voice uh, in an exponential way that you really couldn't uh, if you tried to do everything in person. So these are exciting times, uh, I think, in the workplace. Uh, we don't yet know what uh, the workplace will look like, but we suspect it will now look like 2019 again. Uh, uh, and we're uh, kind of hungry to help organizations get there. Well, fantastic. And you use a phrase that I want to go back to, Bob, that I think is so important, especially as we're thinking about bravery in the workplace, because the ideas that people can generate are endless, but it's actually this call to action. It's actually how do you help people move from an idea or a thought or a concept to action? And I'm just wondering if maybe you could share with folks a little bit about how you think about that or approach getting people to move from a thought or an idea to doing something about it, taking actual action. Yeah, Ed, I'm, uh, you know, for those who know me, if you ever come to a workshop, you'll hear Beatles music being played. I'm a, you know, Beatles historian. And I think we can learn from the Beatles music. Uh, you know, they became um, quite famous writing very simple songs for the masses. And I think in the workplace, uh, my experience is simplicity sticks. Too often we get caught up with overly complicated and complex ideas and rollouts. You know, just think of something as simple uh, as an applicant tracking system or um, a human yeah, a human resources learning management system. Uh, we tend to get caught up in the bells and whistles and all the things that it can do. And when we work with leaderships teams, we try to get them to simplify the rollout, uh, try to keep things simple to get a long uh, reach into an organization. And, and you know, I, uh, I am anti-complexity. And for those who know me know that uh, I live in a world of common sense, pragmatic tools, ideas. The typical manager is not interested in a 600-page leadership book. Uh, they're looking for, you know, ideas to help me better manage my employees today in this week. Uh, so what we try to do, you know, if it's a call to action to a leadership team is to introduce the leaders, some simple concepts that they can get their arms around and start applying ASAP. And when we do all session groups with employees, the same idea. Are there simple tools and ideas and leave behinds that employees can use and have them be practical that they can start implementing rather than overly theoretical or just too complex to have, um, you know, quick uh, tissue acceptance? <laughs> well, look, I think this is a great concept for our listeners to take in mind, because when we think about bravery at work, 
one of the obstacles we create, and I think this happens often, but not all the time, but often is we overcomplicate it, right? The reasons we want to say something, the reaction the person's going to have, the ramifications of the reaction, you know, we create all this complexity around it when what I want to say itself is fairly simple, right? And, uh, you know, is there a trick to keeping it simple versus overcomplicating it, which in a way might become an obstacle to doing it and moving forward? Yeah, you know, think um, think USA Today instead of The Economist uh, when you're thinking of widespread organizational acceptance for a new idea, assessment, uh, program, technology tool. Um, you know, I currently serve on two boards of directors, uh, one for um, a large company uh, uh, in North Carolina and one for a large firm in San Diego. Uh, and they both um, share a trait. You know, they really try to introduce simple ideas. They try to pilot programs. I'm a huge fan of piloting. You know, I tell HR, you know, heads that if you want to gain acceptance, don't try to push a new initiative down the organization's throat. Try to get a manager to pilot something. No one says no to pilots, right? So again, think of a simple launch, not a launch that's going to impact 48,000 employees overnight. You know, those things are really tough to get off the ground. Well, I'm smiling because, you know, this concept of a pilot sounds so simple, right? It's such a simple concept. It's such a simple idea. Yet to a leader, it sounds like, you know, the cure for cancer, like, oh my God, what a brilliant idea, right? Let's pilot it versus rolling it out to everybody. Yet to your point, it's simple, it's not complex, and it's a great way to ensure what you want to do will work and what the issues or challenges you might face that you can work out before you go bigger. Yeah, that's so so true, Ed. And I think it plays into the topic of your podcast, you know, being brave at work, right? Um, being brave does not mean coming up with this giant idea that's your idea that hasn't been, you know, fed it throughout the organization and trying to push that idea throughout the organization. I think being brave is uh, taking small baby steps, getting uh, the line organization to support and buy in and making the necessary changes. You, you know, uh, if you read uh, Jim Collins' <laughs> iconic book, From Good to Great, you know, he talks about um, the need to be vulnerable inside the workplace. And if it's my idea and I'm trying to launch this idea, well, what if it's not the best idea? And what if the line organization can make some great suggestions? So, you know, to be open-minded that what you're looking to launch might not be perfect. It might not yet be fully baked and allow for some customization and some buy-in before you really look to have a firm-wide launch of any new, you know, program, training initiative, uh, strategy, technology tool launch, you know, trying to get that buy-in. To me, that's brave, um, you know, looking for that buy-in. Yeah. And the bravery might be that you think you have to roll it out to everybody and it actually takes bravery to say, hey, we don't want to roll it out to everybody because we haven't done this before. So let's find a pilot group to do it with, to test it and ensure it works. And for some people that might require bravery because it feels like you're downscaling it and making it a smaller event versus a big you know monumental event and sometimes it takes bravery in order to do that yeah on that note ed um it kind of reminds me of some great advice i got uh, from 
a mentor uh, during a performance appraisal. And it was really interesting because I thought he was giving me the advice as a compliment. He said, Bob, uh, I've often um, seen that you have a really solid intuition and, and you're almost always right. And I was kind of nodding, um, you know, patting myself on the back sort of. And he says, but you don't need to always be right. He said, it's okay to let other people be right. And that was such an important uh, life lesson for me, Ed, that, you know, often when we look to do something, we get so embedded in the idea uh, and we think we're right because we spent all this time doing it, uh, but it's okay if the other person is right, right? You know, in the great example of uh, Steve Jobs thought Bill Gates was wrong uh, with the open architecture. Bill Gates thought Steve Jobs was wrong with his closed architecture. And I would say the founders of Microsoft and Apple were both right, right? So how can you kind of be brave enough to know that uh, even if you think you're right, someone else might be right, and there might be a compromise that might be a, a better win-win. Well, picking up on this theme, Bob, of bravery at work and how we might think about it, I think you've shared some observations that it requires baby steps, it requires piloting, it requires not always being right, but letting other people be right as well. Any other thoughts or observations you have or words or phrases you might use to describe bravery at work? Yeah, and I was given this some thought um, uh, anticipating today's podcast, and um, as you know, I study workplace engagement and I follow the trends by the big firms such as Gallup, right? And Gallup claims we've only had a minuscule increases in workplace engagement uh, over the past 20 years. And when I say minuscule, you know, 30% engaged up to 34, 35% engaged, which leaves, you know, 60 to 65% of the workforce disengaged. When we researched um, the workplace for my most recent book, I Engage, one of the things that we um, determined was at play was the fact that you can work for a wonderful company, a great brand, a great culture. You could have the world's greatest boss and manager and still be disengaged yourself. And one of the things that we concluded that engagement is personal. And often we stay in jobs because we're afraid to change jobs. So, you know, I, I tell leaders, the only thing worse than a disengaged employee who leaves is a disengaged employee who stays. So why do so many people in the workplace continue to, you know, drive to work disengaged uh, and they, you know, drive home the end of the day? And, and I tell my children this and I tell other junior professionals this uh, that I speak with. Uh, do everything you can to ensure that you're not a prisoner to your current uh, lot in life. And that might be your job. That might be the pension you're receiving if you're in the public sector. Uh, that might be if you're a partner in a firm, the stock you might have. Um, you know, often these, these, these tools that organizations put in place become handcuffs not just to keep people there, but to, in some ways, you're incentivizing, you're disengaged to stay, right? So I always tell folks, you know, make sure you are networked enough that you can change jobs. Make sure that you're not so financially, um, you know, uh, capped out that you need to make a certain amount of money. You know, I told my wife for many, many years that, 
we need to live our life that I can I can work at Dave's Mobile gas station down the street, and our life doesn't change, right? I never want to be um, afraid to speak up. I never want to be afraid to do what I think is right. Um, and too often, I think we become prisoners of our paycheck, or maybe prisoners of our lack of skills or confidence in the job market. So be brave in your career. Uh, understand that you're vulnerable. You can, you know, lose your job tomorrow without doing anything wrong. Um, uh, and are you marketable? You know, stay current in your skills. Have the confidence that you can survive a great pandemic and still come out the other side. To me, to me, that's being brave, um, both with your career and within your personal life. Well, thank you, Bob. I think those are all great observations. And as you were talking about being a prisoner, which I think is how many people, I don't know what the actual number might be, but many people might feel about work. You know, I also think people are also prisoners of how other people perceive them, right? That they don't want to be brave because they worry that it might alter how people perceive them in a negative way because they don't know how to be brave. And so they're a prisoner. They don't say what they want to say. They don't do what they want to do. They operate like a good soldier and do what needs to be done by the boss and don't say what needs to be said. So I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts or observations based on your experiences working with organizations, if you've seen that at all. Yeah, you know, my first book that you uh, were so kind is to call it one of your favorites. Allowed in the words, 10 practical employee engagement steps. You know, step two um, is a stance at the top. And, and here's where it's so important uh, to have a leader. Uh, and the leader can be the supervisor of a team of five, right? Uh, the leader create a safe environment in which people can say what they're thinking and give ideas, not to give ideas based on what he or she believes the manager wants to hear, but to really give an idea that is an idea that they think it's a better approach that might be contrarian to what the leader wants to do. So how are you establishing uh, these safe venues in which uh, people can, you know, offer contrarian insights uh, to a boss or a leader to make it safe. I mean, that's how you innovate. Uh, and that's also very engaging, right? Because, you know, I feel my boss is listening to me as an employee, even though I'm not at the manager level. You know, toxic cultures, um, you know, and you coach with many executives, so you know this, Ed. Toxic cultures are those in which people say what the boss wants to hear, right? So you don't um, truly innovate uh, or the poor boss ends up, you know, being the emperor with no clothes on. And so how do you create, uh, if you are a boss, how do you create the environment in which it's safe um, to have ideas uh, uh, and suggestions that might be contrarian to your own? Well, part of what you're describing, Bob, and we have had other guests on, talking about the concept of psychological safety, which is an environment that a boss creates uh, through role modeling and rewarding and behaving in a way that allows people to say what they want to say, respectfully, of course, uh, always with respect, but say what they need to say or do what they need to do openly and not feel that they'll be judged or belittled or laughed at because they have a thought or an idea that might be different. 
Yeah, and not to turn this political, Ed, but, you know, the greatest example that we witness every day of this is what happens in Congress, right? And I don't care if you're on the left or if you're on the right. Uh, it always struck me as remarkable when you see a president giving this State of the Union address, you know, one half of the room will not clap and one half <laughs> of the room will clap. And I sit there and scratch my head and say, you mean... There's not one person in the side of the room who's not clapping, who doesn't think that's a good idea, you know? <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, that type of behavior gets modeled, uh, you know, with our government. So I guess it's not too surprising that at times we see that, uh, you know, at the leadership team level as well. Well, I think the experts of psychological safety would say that it is non-existent in yeah. our uh, federal government. But yeah, Bob, so it has true. been it has been great chatting with you today. If folks want to learn more about the Employee Engagement Group or Bob Kelleher, uh, what's a great way that they can get in touch with you? Yeah, they can reach me at bobkelleher.com. Uh, they can also reach me um, at employeeengagement.com. Uh, that's a domain that I secured when I was working inside. And today it's the most visited engagement domain in the world. So it's a great place to find me, see what we, de see what we do, the various things that we've done. Uh, just recently launched. So, Ed, uh, I've been delighted to be here today. You know, I've joked with you in the past that, you know, when I speak with you, it's often like being invited to the living room of your heart. You know, you bring me right in and you kind of get me uh, feeling like, uh, you know, we've been chatting all day. So thank you, Ed. Well, thank you, Bob. It has been great speaking with you today. And thank you very much for joining Be Brave at Work. Okay. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available on paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.